Welcome to Live Your Full Life Now podcast. Hope you're all doing wonderful. And as we're continuing this teaching on the armor of God, which has to do with the spiritual weapons that we fight the enemy and all the attacks that come against us. Um, so I'm glad that you guys decided to uh, come along this teaching and study and uh, we can learn and grow together and, and become more fierce against the attacks of the enemy. Um, so I'm just going to go over um, the parts that are part of the armor. Remember, we talked about that when uh, when the scripture tells us to fight, it tells us to fight the enemy with spiritual weapons. So this is the part that I'm going to go over those spiritual weapons and kind of break it down and uh, go over each one of them. So um, I'm going to read you guys the scripture, the passage, and this is in Ephesians 6, 13 through 18. It says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always <clears throat> with all prayer and supplication um, in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. So I know that was a lot of verses in there, but I'm going to make it hopefully more easier to understand. There is, um, <clears throat> I believe, six parts to the, the, the part of the armor, the spiritual armor. And it's uh, one of them is the belt of truth. Another is the breast, breastplate of righteousness. And another one is the shoes of the gospel. And another one is the shield of faith. Another one is helmet of salvation. And another one is um, sword of the spirit. And um, yeah, so that, that's those are the six ones. And I, I believe I'm going to be able to go over um, three of them. I wanted to do all six, but honestly, in order to really understand it, I think I have to, um, explain each one of them more in detail. So, um, you guys can have this tool to use and understand exactly what does it mean to use a spiritual weapon. But before I get into it, remember, this is actually the sixth teaching. So hopefully you've been listening all along to the, uh, number one through five, but I do believe I talk about in order to for us to be able to have access to these spiritual weapons and to actually put on this full armor of God, the spiritual armor of God, we have to be we have to be saved followers of Christ, right? We have to be part of the family of God. We have to be uh, we have received the gift of salvation. And if you haven't, if you're still you know on sidelines, please go back and listen to those teachings, and it'll go into it more in depth because. Uh, these spiritual weapons are not just for everybody. Therefore, the children of God, the ones who have surrendered their lives to Christ, who have made him the Lord and Savior of their lives, again, who have received the gift of salvation. So um, that's why there is a benefit. There is rights. There is authority as being children of God. And again, in order for us to be able uh, to be used, on, we have to become adopted as, as children of God. And um, again, if you haven't, if you haven't yet, please go back and listen to those teachings and or um, maybe find a prayer on salvation. And if, if you say that with all your heart and your mind, 
then you will be saved and part of the family of God. But anyway, let's go start with the first one, the belt of truth. So the belt of truth, you know, the belt, um, again, this this whole um, armor, spiritual arm, armor, um, has been um, resembled to the armor that Roman soldiers wore, okay? So when we talk about the belt, the belt was what held all the pieces of the armor together. Um, the belt was the part that was um, pulling it all together and making sure they're all safe and secure in their own place. So um, when we talk about the belt of truth in, in a spiritual and a spiritual armor, uh, what does that exactly mean? <clears throat> so again, it talks about the truth, right? So again, the truth of the word of God will hold everything together, all the parts of it together. It's something that we have to put on every day. It's really the application of God's truth in our lives. We have to come to a place every day where we decide today, I'm only going to believe God's truth in my life, what the word of God says about me and my life and what I can or cannot do. Um, the truth of the word of God should be controlling our lives. And um, so let, let me read you guys some verses. For And, and these are just examples for if, if you you know are a, a born-again believer, if you're a follower of Christ, you still might not know your worth. Uh, you still might not know your place as, as part of a family of God, as a child of God. Um, so let me just remind you, I'm sure I have mentioned these verses many times before, but let me just remind you what the truth is about you every day. Ephesians 1, 4 through 5 says, Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us to adoption as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. So what does this verse say? This verse is saying you, okay, God chose you before the foundation of the world. That's exactly what this verse is saying. And he chose you to be blameless. And he predestined you to adopt you as his sons and his daughters in Christ Jesus. Isn't that wonderful news? Before you were even born, he had plans for you. He had you in his mind. And how is he going to create you? At what time? Where? And because he had wonderful plans for you, and he already had plans to adopt you as his children. Okay, Psalm 139, 13 through 14. And I'll say Psalm 139 is one of my favorite books on the psalm, and I think it should be everybody's because it talks about God creating you specifically. So I'm going to read that. Verses 3 through 13 through 14 says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. So again, you guys, pay attention. He's speaking to you individually. Put your name in there. He created you in, uh, he created you in your mother's womb. He, he put you together. He knit you together. And he called you and he looked at his work and he says that he fearfully and wonderfully made you. That's how you were made. That's how God made you in your mother's womb. Okay. And remember, he had, pre, he had plans to do that before the creation of the world. Um, now, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 says, well, before I go there, I want to. So those are one of the couple truths that you should know every day. You shouldn't say, well. I was an accident. Well, I don't know what's the purpose of my life. Well, I'm I'm not good for anything or anything negative like that. That's a lie. 
And you should not believe that. You should go back to these verses and say, no, actually, God had plans for me before the creation of the world. He thought about me and he had plans for me, right? Um, so those are the two truths that I think are really important every day. If you have negative thoughts about yourself, um, you should definitely go to those two verses and read them and say them out loud and believe them. And for example, if that day you have a need and you're thinking, there's no way I can make this happen. There's no way that this is going to happen. Well, remember, we don't live our lives based on our own efforts. We do everything we can as far as we can, but the rest of it, we rely on God, right? If you have a need that hasn't been fulfilled, whether it's a need for uh, relationships, whether it's a need for a job, whether it's a need for work, whether it's a healing need, whatever it is, God says that he will meet that need. Philippians 4.19 says, uh, for my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. So you might wake up and say, you know what? I have no idea how to meet this need. I don't even know how to make this happen, but I have a God who can. I can depend and rely on him and listen to his wisdom and advice as far as what he's instructing me to do. And I will do everything I can. And the rest is in his hands. He's going to make it happen, right? Because he promises. Okay, what about? Uh, if you say, well, there's no way I can do this. Uh, there is no way I can take this job. There's no way I can approach this person. There's no way I can confront this person. There's no way I can solve this problem. There's no way I can tackle this huge issue or huge job. And you may just feel overwhelmed, right? But listen to what the Bible says. In Philippians 4.13, it says, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. So if this is something that God wants you to do, right? If he wants you to be courageous, if he wants you to have strength, if he wants you to have the wisdom, he'll give it to you. Because the Bible says that you can do all things through yourself, through your effort, through the worldly wisdom and strength. No, it says through him who? Christ, who will strengthen you. He will empower you. He will bring you to a place where you can do it. So th these are the th these are just what? How many verses did I read you guys? Like three, four? These are only four verses that are the truth about you every day. So this is a good way to start the day, to put on that belt of truth of knowing who you are in Christ, whose you are, who do you belong to, right? Why you were created and what are the things that you can do? So this is the truth that you should go to every day to the word of God and say, that's what I believe. This is how I'm starting my day. And anything else that comes against it, you have to say, nope, sorry, that's not me. I don't believe that. I don't live on my own effort, on my own ability. I rely on Christ, who is my father. He's going to do the work through me. He's going to help me and he's going to do the rest. Okay, so that was the belt of truth. Um, another uh, part of the uh, armor of God is the breastplate of righteousness. Now, what does that exactly mean? Mm. Breastplate of righteousness. You, mean, you remember for the Roman soldiers, the breastplate part of the armor covered their heart, covered their organs, right? Uh, and why did... Uh, I believe it was Paul paralleled this to um, to this armor that Roman soldiers wear. Uh, so now let's gonna what part as far as spiritually, what does it protect for us, right? So righteousness means you are right with God, and you can say, how can I be right with God when I still sin? When I still, let's say, hopefully not, but sometimes we still curse, right? We're just words just come out unfortunately. Uh, when I still gossip, when I'm still like have unforgiveness in my heart, when I'm still mean to people, when I still doubt and I don't believe, I don't have faith, how can I be right with God? Well, let's find out how. Philippians 3 through, uh, I'm sorry, Philippians 3 verse 9 says, and be found in him not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, 
but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. So the Bible is saying we, we are right with God, not because of our works, but it's we are right with God because Christ is right, right? Because of his righteousness and because we have put our faith in the finished works of Christ. Remember the salvation he bought us, he paid a price and he made us right with God. It's not by our own works. So that's just one of the verses. Um, let's see what else. I mean, there's other verses that has to do with um, righteousness. And I highly encourage you to um, look for them and find out um, how are you made right with God. But this is where you, we mostly get attacked, okay? Because the enemy is very subtle and clever. First, he will make tempt you to sin, right? He will say, oh, it's no big deal. Everybody's doing it. You deserve it. They're not fair. They're wrong. It's all, all about you. You should be happy. Uh, you should go ahead and do it. You completely deserve it. And it's not your fault. And, and it's somehow deep down, you still know it's wrong, right? You still know there's that nagging feeling. Don't do it. Don't do it. It's wrong. Don't go for it. But then you justify it because your feelings, your emotions are like, yes, do it. It's going to make you feel good. So then you go ahead and do it, right? Then you go ahead and sin. And what happens next? Once you give in, immediately the enemy will come back and say, well, you're a horrible person. You know, you just sinned. And uh, he, will make, he will make you feel um, condemned. He will make you feel guilty and ashamed and feeling bad. And, uh, and then if you, if you have a need and you go to God, he will come and say, what right do you have to talk to God or to ask him for anything? Remember what you did? And you knew you're sinning. You still did it. You know, because he would make you feel ashamed and condemned and guilty, you don't even feel like you deserve to go before God and ask for anything or ask him for help. You don't even feel like you are, you can receive anything from God. You don't expect anything from him. Really, you don't even want to get close to God because you feel like I'm not worthy. Like I, I knew I was sinning and I still gave in and I'm what right do I have to go before God and ask? And, and, and you may even believe he doesn't care about me because I sin, because I'm a horrible person. And why would he care about me? Why would, you know, he's turned his back on me and he doesn't respond to me. So the enemy will try to come against you if you doubt your righteousness with God because of your works. Again, this is not to say that you are saved. Please go ahead and sin all you want. All your sins are forgiven. The Bible doesn't say that. It actually says, if you're truly saved, it's going to show by your repentance. It's going to show that um, that you have repented from those wrong works. And honestly, that's not to say that you will never do it again. We're humans and we're not perfect and we're going to fall and sin again. But again, I've said this many times before. You're going to, as you draw closer to God and get to know him better and fill in your mind with his word and your heart, you're going to sin less and less and less frequent. Okay, so don't expect yourself to be perfect right away and never ever to sin again once you become saved and feel completely ashamed and guilty um, and condemned once you do because he know he knew we were going to do that right before he created us he knew that we're going to make mistakes and do that and he still gave us this gift of righteousness so you are right with God so you know what the good thing is that when you are aware of the sin you committed. If you're truly saved, you will feel convicted, not condemned. There's a difference. Convicted. Okay. Conviction does not have to do with feeling shame. It has to do with the feeling of 
oh, I knew I shouldn't have done that and I did it. I did it anyway. It felt wrong. Okay. So you will feel convicted by the Holy Spirit. And what does the Bible says? He says, the Bible says, confess, confess your son immediately, come before God and ask for forgiveness. And again, this is not for him because he's already forgiven of ourselves. This is for us. So we can come before him with a heart that can receive, because if we have um, you know, if he feel guilty before him, we're not going to receive from him. We're not, even if he asks, we don't expect to get answers. So for that to go away, for us to be cleansed from that, we need to confess our sins for our own sake before him. So the Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all righteousness, all unrighteousness. So you guys, if you've done something and it's just a nagging feeling like, eh, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have said that. That wasn't right. You know, in the moment it felt good, but afterward you feel kind of, you know, bad about it. And you're like, well, I knew I shouldn't have done that. You know, immediately go before God say, Lord, I'm sorry. I gave into my flesh. Please forgive me. Please wash me by the blood of Jesus. Make me righteous and holy again. And again, that prayer is for you, not for him. He's already forgiven you. In his eyes, you're still righteous. Okay. So when the enemy comes and says, what's right? Do you have to go before God? You don't deserve it. Um, you, you know, you're not worthy of it. Just, you know, quote scripture. Philippians 3.9 says, well, guess what? It's not based on my work. It's based on what Jesus did for me. That's what makes me righteous for him. Quote John, 1 John 1.9. So you know what? You're right. Thank you for reminding me. I'm going to go ahead and confess my sins. And they're forgiven immediately. Um, so remember that the Bible says that the accuser of the brethren is he is Satan. And this is in Revelations 12, 10. He will continually accuse you. Um, let me read that verse. It says, um, and again, this is in Revelations 12, 10. It says, then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, now come, uh, now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of uh, his Messiah for the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. So again, who is the accuser of the brethren? Who is the who's our accuser? The enemy is, right? The enemy is. He'll either do it in your head or he use people to come against you and to accuse you. Um, I want to read you guys a couple more verses on righteousness. And that's Romans 3.10, just to make sure that you know you're righteous before God. It says his righteousness is not made up of good deeds you do. The Bible is clear that none of us are righteous in ourselves. Rome, that was Romans 3.10. I'll read it one more time. It says his righteousness is not made up of the good deeds you do. In other words, you and I, when we do good deeds, that doesn't make us righteous. The Bible is clear that none of us are righteous in ourselves. So no matter how much we try to be good, what amount of good works we do, we're still not righteous before God. The only way we're righteous is by receiving Christ as our Lord and Savior and accepting the gift of salvation. Um, want to read you guys another verse. Uh, this one. Um, well, actually, I think I might have already read that. So <clears throat> we're still we're, we're talking about the breastplate of righteousness. You know, this this righteousness that comes from God, uh, it's been given to us freely. Right. When we accepted Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Again, it's not our own, but it, it does cover and protect us. OK, so you guys know that that breastplate of righteousness should guard your heart. You are right with God when those accusations come from the enemy. You know what to do, right? You know what scripture to go to. You know what to believe. You know what, how to come back, how to refute that, how to come against those lies. Um, another um, part of the helmet 
is um, the helmet of salvation. And the helmet of salvation, remember just imagine a helmet. Why do people wear helmets if they're riding motorcycles, even kids if they're riding bikes or if they're doing construction work, they work they wore they wore helmets and even the the Roman soldiers wore helmets. Why? To protect their head. It was a head covering, right? To protect it from what? To protect it from any blows to the brain, any damage to the brain, right? Because the helmet, what does it do? It absorbs the shock. It doesn't let that um, that blow get to the to the head, right? Which which houses the brain. Okay. So now, as far as the spiritual helmet, we're supposed to put something which we're supposed to cover our mind with what? With the helmet of salvation. What again? What does it mean? The helmet of salvation. Remember, you are saved. You are saved through Christ, right? Through your faith in Christ, which means not only he's here today, available to help you and his angels, but he has also given you, he has overcome death, which means when we shed this physical body, we can be united with God, right? Um, so <clears throat> again, this helmet of salvation is for here now. We are actually not going to need it in heaven. <laughs> this armor of God is for us here now. Um so how do we protect our mind? How do we protect our mind from the attacks of the enemy? And this is, remember, there's a lot of books and teachings on the battles that take place in our mind. So in order for us to govern our mind, to properly program the mind, for our thinking to be right, for our mindset to be right, and for our decisions to be right, we have to be careful what we're putting in our mind, <clears throat> what we're allowing our mind to receive and conceive and believe. What beliefs are we holding? Um, <clears throat> one easy way to, and, and to be honest with you, we didn't, I don't think a majority of people did not grow up in really, truly Christian homes who are followers of Christ, who taught them the word and t told them this is what the word says, this is what we believe. So we, we probably have strongholds in our minds, beliefs that have been formed that are not in line with the word of God, that we have to come against them. and let the Holy Spirit and let God tear those strongholds down so they're, they're not holding us bondage from us living a fulfilled life that Jesus wants us to live. Um, so one way to do that is to memorize scripture, to know scripture. Because listen to this, Proverbs 23, 7 says, as one uh, thinks in his mind, so is he. Um, I believe that was Proverbs 23, 7. Um, I can <clears throat> correct that later if that's not right. Uh, but there's many verses that says, um, however you think, that's where your that's where how your life is going to be shaped. That's how your decisions are going to be shaped. Um, so it's really important for us to have a guard over our mind by being careful what we're putting in our mind. But most importantly, to fill our mind with the word of God, with the word of truth, right? Um, that way we can, if there's any blows, if there's any attacks on our mind, we will say, nope, hold it. That's not what the word of God says. This is what I believe, you know? And it's honestly really easy to um, be manipulated by the enemy if you don't know the word of God. Because you can believe one minute today, you can believe something this minute and something else the next minute. And tomorrow you may see, you know, a talk show host talk about something 
and believe that. And you might see something on Instagram or social media and you're paying all the, especially honestly with this generation here um, now, <laughs> um, the younger generations, they're so tuned into the social media, Instagram, all these things, and they follow people and constantly paying attention to what they say, what they do. There's influencers. Really, we should be influenced by the word of God only, not by people. Because think about it. Those people, if they're influencers, they're first of all getting paid for what they're saying, where they do, what they, you know, what they eat or all that. Uh, I mean, maybe probably some of it is themselves, but it, they have to be influenced in order for them to get paid. Right. And now they're influencing you. So what's the agenda behind all this? I mean, I'm not trying to get off the subject here, but I'm trying to say be influenced by the word of God, which is going to protect your mind. Um, it's not going to put you in a place of I'm not good enough. I don't do enough. I'm, I'm not capable enough. You know, I, um, I'm at a disadvantage. This is the enemy's plan that's going to come against you every day through whatever you lend your eyes, your mind, your ears to. Whatever you're putting in your mind, you know, just think about about a file cabinet. You're putting those things in a file cabinet, and when you want to use them, you're going to take those files out, and that's how your mind will operate. But if you put good things, if you put the Word of God, um, if you believe God's Word and, and look to the future about the good things that God says about you and your life, then that's how your mind is going to operate. It's pretty much it really you're the one who makes the decision where your life goes by what you watch and see and do. And I'm not saying you be oblivious to what's, there's a lot that's going on around us. And to be honest with you, I think one reason we're here is because Christians have kind of been oblivious to what's been going on um, in our cities, counties, you know, states and governments. Uh, so there's definitely a revival going on, a call for Christians to step out and be a light in the world and draw people closer to God and be involved in politics actually. Um, but again, don't want to get off subject, but uh, what I'm trying to say is majority of what we're, what our beliefs are, actually 100% of our beliefs should reflect God's truth, God's word, what God says we can do, what God expects us to do, his will in our lives. Remember, we were not created and born for God to serve us and give us what we want, what we need to have everything that we need and for all our pleasure. We were created for God's pleasure. We were created by God as his children to be in a very close fellowship with him and to do good works. That's why you were created. You might say, well, that's not what my life reflects. Okay, that's fine. Up to this point, maybe it hasn't, but from this point on, it can. If you truly seek God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and if you truly surrender every single area of your life to him, every single area, say, Lord, I don't know any better. You be the Lord over it. You show me what I need to do, and I will do my part, and I believe your good plans for the rest of it. And trust me, God is good. He's not there to punish you. He's not there to make you pay for your mistakes. He's not there to come after you and say, see, I told you, now I'm going to make you pay. You didn't listen to me. No, he's already forgiven yourself. He has a good future for you. And the only way he can do that is if you go after what's in the Bible, what's, which is an instructions for life, and get to know it and live it and learn it. And honestly, I don't think you can do it on your own. You have to connect to a body of believers, people your age, hopefully. Look till you find them. And if you had bad experiences before with churches, with small groups, with Bible studies, you got to keep searching. It's kind of like searching for a house. You know, do you think you're going to buy the first house you see? 
it may be a six month process before you find your house because you have to see so many till one just clicks, one just feels right. And one just like, yes, this is it. Same thing, which hopefully won't take you six months, but <laughs> maybe you have to go through a few churches or small groups of Bible studies till you feel connected to a group. And there is no perfect church because we're not perfect because churches are made up of people who mess up. So don't expect for you to walk in this glorious church and everybody's perfect. Nobody sins. Everybody's so wonderful. That's not going to happen because it's people like us who are sinners, who make mistakes, who run these churches, but they're doing their best to follow God. So find a church that you can plug into, a small groups you can plug into, Bible studies you can learn, ask questions and grow because it is a journey. You know, I know we're in a microwave society where we want transformation overnight. We want our lives to change overnight. But honestly, even the journey is fun because the, the every day as you draw closer to God, the, the more you learn from her, the more you see the reward and the blessings that come from it. And it's honestly kind of fun and exciting because you get to share with other believers, look, we prayed for this. We found out what the word said. We weren't worried about it. We weren't scared. And we just believed. We quoted scripture or, um, you know, I asked other believers to pray for me and I let it go. I did everything I can. And Look how it turned out. You know, it may not be the next day. It may not be the next week. It may not be the next month. It may not be in six months. I don't know where the answer to your prayers will come if you're praying according to God's will. But it will come if you're faithful, if you're truly seeking him. And if you're applying these principles of protecting yourself from the attacks of the enemy by applying these spiritual weapons. So you guys, I have covered the, the three of them, the belt of truth, the helmet of salvation, which is your mind, right? The breastplate of righteousness, which means you're right with God. And there's um, a few more left, which is the, the feet that are ready to take the gospel of peace, the shield of faith. And there, then there's um, offensive weapon, which means you attack with that. All the rest of them are defensive, which means you protect yourself. But there is one weapon that you attack back, and that's it's called the sword of the spirit because uh, a soldier can attack with the sword, right? And that sword of the spirit is the word of God. And then all of this together comes together in prayer because it says at the end, it says pray in the spirit. Um, so I'm going to go over the, the last three in the next podcast and get into it and uh, help you guys understand how you can, you can put on that spiritual armor of those things. And what does it mean to use those and how does it parallel to a Roman soldier, how did it protect them? How will it protect us as a spiritual weapon? Um, so hopefully this is all making sense to you guys and prompting you guys to believe that you are right with God, that God loves you, that God has a wonderful plan for you. All you have to do is say, you know, not my way, forget it, it didn't work, okay? Not my will, but your will. I'm willing to leave it behind, show me what you want me to do. Um, show me how I can make this right. And trust me, it's an exciting and fun and an awesome journey when you just look to the future and you employ, you um, get God involved and listen to him and follow him. So just hang in there. We have one more teaching on this. So until the next teaching, God be with you and God bless you.